You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody, listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is T Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we are back for yet again another episode of Radiant Culture, the best podcast in the country, undisputed. Like, if you ask anyone, just do a random survey in the streets of Harare and you'll know. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one. Yes. Um, today we have PC in the building. PC, how are you doing? Hello, T Mac. Mr. Cookie Monster, I am so excited, thrilled, happy, uh, bamboozled, and whatever other superlatives <laughs> I can find. Bamboozled to say I'm uh, to say that I'm in uh, Zimbabwe's greatest podcast. Yes. Wow, ain't that a privilege? The goat. Thanks, guys, for having goat. me. And you called me the goat the last time. Yes. Yeah. So the goat on the goat. The goat. <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it. So, so what, are, what are we talking about today? This week, um, we are talking about finding a new church. Last week, we talked about um, the fire. <laughs> How we talk about being on fire for God and whether that fire needs to be rekindled. If you find yourself in a place where you're feeling like that fire, it's not the embers, it's not even burning anymore. So no, go back and listen to that if you didn't. But some of you might feeling like your fire needs rekindling because you're in the wrong place maybe you need to find a new church a new place the, to ri- fellowship. the right church okay sorry the right church what's the difference hmm? what's the difference well because some people don't need to find a new church they, because, yeah, okay yeah all right, right okay i get you i get you yes so talking about finding a the right church for you yeah um there's so many options um whether you're new to the faith or not i'm sure you have noticed that there's so many denominations. There's Anglican, Catholic, Pentecostal, non-denominational, because they just didn't want to be put in a box. There's Inzim, there's AFM, there's Sayoja, there's like, I don't know, there's countless. Yeah. And there's so many of them. Literally, I'm sure if you just exit your house, walk a few yards, you'll find a church. But how do you know one is the right one for you? Um, and PC is going to help us break that down today, hopefully. <laughs> Indeed, and he I'm excited. He is the man. Yes, he's the one for the job. So, PC, can you help us understand, first of all, why there are just so many types of churches? Like, seriously, do, can't we just have like two big ones in the city so that everyone can just pick one of the two <laughs> and just go there? <laughs> That's quite funny, actually. Uh, and on that note, th- the reason there are many churches is because uh, people aren't coming to my church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see, I see. <There's> anyway, <laughs> a plug right there, guys. PC's church is awesome. I went there last week, it was great. So, um, for me, it comes down to how we understand the Holy Book, the Bible. And of course, this can be a very, very wide um, spectrum of discussion if we to really delve into it, because there are different expressions of church mm-hmm. and even religion. But as with as regards to what we're talking about here, you notice that uh, people interpret the Holy Bible differently. Yeah. So because of that, that forms the basis of their liturgy, their worship services, 
their general teachings, their doctrines, mm-hmm. uh, and other practices, basically. Yeah. So those are what give rise to different kinds of churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes a very nice and safe uh, side-by-side kind of existence, whether in, whereas in some cases others consider those that think differently to them to themselves to be heretics etc and so forth it basically just comes down as far as i'm concerned um, largely to how we read the holy scriptures and what it means to us Mm -hmm. or to the different peoples that obviously form these uh, different churches like i said um some other time um and then to a less extent um people cultures uh, personalities and certain types of preferences Mm -hmm. but predominantly our reading of scripture is what has given us um, uh, various uh, churches. Yeah. Yeah. Cookie, you're the apologist. If you. Mm. <laughs> Where, I'm where's, coming this, for where's you. this going? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking back, like in terms of history, where, where or when did the break happen? Because there was the early church. Yeah. And then. I think the next thing after that is like the Roman Catholic Church. I don't know. Like how how did the splinter or splintering off happen? Well, that's a big question and <clears throat> I think a question that that requires some knowledge of church history. Yeah. And PC is going to help me here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but uh just looking at if you look at church history, if I can just give a an overview, you you find that the the early church, remember that when all of this is happening, uh, they're under Roman rule. Mm-hmm. And that's when the early church is birthed. Yeah. And uh, and then due to the persecution, a lot of uh, believers are spread to the mm-hmm. surrounding surrounding areas and the surrounding regions. But you find that as, as time progresses, so you've got apostles like the apostle Thomas who went to set up the church in India, mm-hmm. um, that that's all part of history. You've got uh, different apostles who, who who go to different places. You've got the story of the Ethiopian eunuch um, who is baptized and then goes off. And then other, other uh, believers who are touched by the gospel who go to different parts of the world. Uh, particularly, the, um, who's, what's his name, who went to Ethiopia, actually. Mm-hmm. And they sowed the seeds for what then became the Ethiopian Coptic church. Right and other parts of the world, but but of particular mention, I think, is the um, what's known as the Council of Nicaea, yeah. which happened, I think, in three was it three twenty five, if if I'm not mistaken. Thereabouts, depending on what history, you <laughs> depending on what. But this is okay, just based on my on my studies of history, and I understand to be corrected here. But what's actually happening there? Uh, there's allegations. There are people who've said that this is when Christianity was born, okay. right? That there's you find that in the in the skept in the skeptical world and other people, uh, they'll often say Christianity was birthed at the at the Council of Nicaea because that's when uh, the Roman em- Emperor Constantine uh, sort of formalized the religion, which is actually not true because what was happening then is that uh, the persecution was so intense that mm-hmm. different church fathers were spread. In different regions and then they decided to come together mm-hmm. to this is the first time all the church fathers are coming together to um sort of formalize or agree on what the church creed was or what mm-hmm. the belief was and th- there had been a splinter group known as the arians arians who were 
disputing the divinity of Christ. Ooh. So this is part of the reason why they all they all came together. Yeah. And then uh, they came up with, with with all of that, and they voted, and all the the bishops or the church fathers agreed on that. Um, and of course, this is a very broad picture that I'm giving. But if you find the way things then progressed, and uh, the different emperors that came on, and then uh, it is alleged that Constantine actually then got uh, converted to Christianity, mm-hmm. and uh, then he his whole goal was, or what his decision, I guess, was to convert the Roman empire into a christian state yeah so through all of that that happens and and i guess that's how uh further further along down down the road the the roman catholic church is birthed and because of the dominance of the roman empire the the roman the the roman uh catholic church became quite a a predominant church then further along down the road we see the protestant protestant church uh being being formed by, by martin luther because he conflicted where he had issues with some of the doctrines held by the Roman Catholic Church. And so I think if you study history, you see that there's been all these uh, major points throughout history Mm -hmm. where different groups emerged. And I think out of that also several other splinter groups emerged. But but I think that the dominant, the predominant uh, sort of church groups that were there were the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. and the Protestant Church. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the others that then formed like the Lutherans and others. But I'm just I'm just saying that a lot of it has to do with history. Like what uh, PC PC said is that at different stages you'd have um, groups that emerged or individuals that uh, emerged maybe due to certain revelations that they got or insights that they got into scripture where they would then decide that no but this commonly held belief is actually not consistent with what scripture says and then they would form this and I think that that's what has happened and um, which has led to where we are today and Mm -hmm. I know this is a very broad thing that I'm giving but maybe PC you can you can also you did the work my man (laughs) chime in there do Catholics use the same Bible that everyone else uses that's a very nice question let's just say by and large yes okay but I thought these as extra books yes. that's why I use the words by and, <laughs> okay. by and large yeah. they have um, what we know as the apocrypha oh okay, okay. Uh, which is a collection of books which um, I would say that the, the rest of the in quotes Christian world that is Bible learning does not necessarily yeah. subscribe to yeah mm-hmm. okay cool Thank you guys for that background. Um, so there's this preacher who I listen to from time to time. It's ironic, though, because he doesn't really quote scripture when he preaches. Anyway, that's irrelevant. At the end of his sermons, he always says, um, you're welcome to join our church or to find any other Bible-believing church to join. So I guess I'd never given it much thought because I already have a church. But to a person who has just come into the faith what are they supposed to take away from that phrase what is a bible believing church first of all and secondly how are you supposed to identify one a perfect question um just the instruction to join a bible believing church um supposes that the bible is very central to christianity mm. which we hold in fact jesus himself generally validates uh, scripture yeah you know so um, when you're talking about a bible believing church is a church that subscribes to the bible as the authoritative inspired 
word of God. And I must uh, be emphatic on that because not everybody who calls themselves Christians Mm -hmm. necessarily believe the Bible to be inspired or authoritative. There's a certain, um, and I should be careful how I speak here, but uh, liberal theologies Mm -hmm. that do not necessarily subscribe Mm -hmm. to the inspired nature of the Bible. So normally, they they view the Bible as, as a good book is a wonderful book but not necessarily from god yeah. yeah and not necessarily a final authority mm-hmm. so you tend to see that people who say join a bible believing church mm-hmm. are people that generally subscribe to the notion that the bible is inspired mm-hmm. in other words it's from god i happen to be one of those people and that it's a standard of living yeah that is what they mean now, for the person who's new or the person who's listening to, to, to us right now, obviously the, the, the encouragement is um, find yourself a Bible mm-hmm. and get yourself acquainted with it. Because Read the manual, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> you can yeah. never tell what's, what's fake if you don't know what's true. Yeah. And the Bible is written and, uh, by, by, by providence, uh, designed, if I can use that word, in such a way that anybody, anyway, in any circumstance, in any culture you know at whatever level can actually get the core message mm-hmm. of the of the bible and the core teachings um which are in it mm-hmm. and it becomes profitable for them yeah. that kind of a thing because of the spiritual aspect or i'm calling it the spiritual aspect the inspired aspect which is in the word of god mm-hmm. yeah hmm. i love that and what what you're saying especially about the importance of um finding a church that takes the bible seriously because the the bible the bible is central to the christian faith you know and and what i what i find so profound about the bible is that um it's it's not only written for for the person with the sharp mind the person who's educated and has got a phd and whatever but even the most um basic of people right even someone who's illiterate who can't read can have someone read the bible for them and they can understand what it says and i think that's the beauty of the story of redemption and the story of the bible you know that um god has made it so simple and so um what's the word so so easy to understand because that's his way of communicating with us and yet at the same time if if you're somebody who who's got a sophisticated mind somebody who's a scholar someone who uh is really wanting to get deep into into things you find that the bible also appeals to you so so that's the beauty of scripture for me yeah and for me this is why it is inspired right that's that's the x factor right which is in the word in is is that it appeals to whoever at whatever level in a way that they can understand grasp and be transformed oh yes true so pc i have a question you you are somebody who's a pastor mm. and um so so you you're the right man for the job like we said mm. out of interest when when you when somebody's considering um a church to join so there's we, we, we've spoken about the bible the importance mm. of taking scripture seriously mm. but then there's other factors as well right what if a church is, you know, it's a Bible-believing church, they're good, they've got strong doctrine, good theology, but they're just a boring church. Like, they oh just... <laughs> like, <laughs> like, maybe the people are just, you know, the people are just boring, they're just not very, not very lively, and you, you, you're looking for 
uh, maybe you know you're looking for for a group of believers who are enthusiastic and who who are, who are into it like that. I'm just saying how important <laughs> how important are those aspects when when looking for a church. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I get excited. I get extremely excited. Let me just throw a bomb, and yeah. I hope someone... You use the word excited a lot, so it must mean your <laughs> church is exciting, so we like you. <laughs> That's a very subjective measure, hey? Uh-huh. Um, but uh, when we look at uh, choosing a church, here's the bomb I want to throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong person can never find a right church. Mm. Okay, elaborate. Right? Or if you want a bad person, can never find a good church. There's something my pastor always hmm. used to say. Mm. Um, actually, was my pastor was some televangelist. I don't know. But they used to say, there's no perfect church. And if you find one, don't join it. Because the minute you do, it's no longer perfect. <laughs> it's your pastor. It's your pastor. It? <laughs> yes. You see, and, 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 and it's real here. To say that the biggest factor for by the way we may want to talk about why people need to find churches yeah. mm-hmm. i assume we're not talking about the new believer uh, the person who's just come into the faith however way we need to find a church or perhaps a person um who's 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 who's, who's transferring or moving to a new place you know what why, why, why don't we actually just touch okay. touch on all those because i think they're important <laughs> yeah that's very very interesting uh <laughs> The reason I, I, I come on this level, let me start from uh, from the usual church transfer mm-hmm. kind of place. Who you are as an individual has a big um, influence on the quality of decisions you're going to make. Mm-hmm. Okay? So how you're able to view what is right and what is wrong is predominantly down to who you are. I'm reminded it should be in Luke chapter number 16. The, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. If you remember it very well, when the rich man is, is burning in hell, he implores Abraham to send Lazarus or an angel to go talk to his people, to which the response comes, uh, uh, and, Jesus, and, and, and Abraham says, well, listen, if they, didn't, if they rejected uh, Moses, if they rejected the prophets, even if an angel was to come to them, mm. the message would never get through to them. So the first factor in considering a church to move to is who you are yeah. as an individual. Yeah. Hmm. Because if darkness is in you, it's very difficult to see light mm. out there. So now when you consider, let's, 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 let's give the uh, basic um, assumption that a person is a Christian, mm-hmm. all right, who wants to change churches. Um, number one, though I don't want to go down that rabbit trail, you know, there should be uh, valid reasons for moving church, yeah. right? And then there should be very invalid reasons for moving churches. Why is this important? Because if the motivations are invalid, it means that whatever is causing you to move is not um, a good enough uh, driver for that. Right. Okay, and probably where you're <clears throat> going to go, what's not to cause you to fail to grow or to fail to be useful or to fail to even receive whatever is there. So, so the first um, consideration is the type of person um, who we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. 
and to a, to a certain extent the level of knowledge that you have about what we call the church mm-hmm. you see a lot of um a lot of motivations when when people choose churches are a lot more personal and not structural okay if i can use that okay so people are driven by what excites them or what they what relate feels with good to them right more than what actually is the biblical definition of what we would call a right church for instance if i am driven by a certain culture because generally culture by culture i mean how we do things Mm -hmm. so you have somebody saying i want a church that uh, starts at seven and finishes at 7 30. okay that's a way of doing things right i want a church that speaks a particular language i want a church that reaches to a specific uh, demographic in terms of people Mm -hmm. right i want a church that um follows a certain causes if you really look at that you know for me it's not necessarily structural but it's very personal and that's shaky ground for being a part of a church Mm -hmm. because what is the church of god the churches are ecclesiastes are called out once hmm. it's the gathering of uh, people who've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light for the extreme for them for the purposes obviously of glorifying god and spreading the um, making disciples obviously and then um communicating the gospel to a lost world i'm just probably summing up uh, the purposes of the church or the purpose of the church right. like that so already when a person is uh, is is wanting to choose a church right we must firstly be concerned with what kind of a person they are or rather maybe if i can just shift it up a bit their maturity levels mm-hmm. in terms of the ability to know what is good and what is not good yeah. so now let's assume they have um okay maybe i'm talking too much here. no 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 you're, you're good you're good yeah <laughs> let's assume there's very um good reasons for changing churches and there are many good reasons for changing churches listen uh, nobody at least as far as i'm concerned no parent just uh, points in any direction and says the first school i come across is the school i'm going to take my ch- children to yeah right nobody just uh, goes to any university and just chooses a random university normally they study it consider it and then obviously then come up with a decision that's informed by a, vari- a variety of factors can i just interrupt you there huh? pc as you're saying and, and this is just to add on to what you're you're saying so as as you're speaking i'm just thinking can we actually talk about the the good reasons mm. why someone would change churches absolutely yeah Okay, we'll start with the controversial ones. Something really bad. And I mean really bad. I don't know if I can say it again, really bad has led you to um to change churches. When I was young, I thought there's no reason why in 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 hell or heaven why anybody would change churches until I grew up a little and have come to appreciate certain things. Mm-hmm. For instance, um I like talking about abuse. Yeah supposing something that is very abusive in nature has happened even if the abuser and the abused perhaps might have um, made right with god and one another sometimes in places like that it may be healthy not necessarily for the people or parties concerned but for the wider body you know for the sake of health and unity for somebody to find a, a different church right okay there could be issues I don't really believe this one. I believe you could still coexist, but this I would understand why a person moves. Supposing a divorce has happened mm-hmm. and sub- someone happens to remarry, 
let's just add something in there and kids are involved as well and let's say kids are with them with one party and then the other party happens to remarry and you're mm. in one place i actually personally think wow. you can coexist okay. i actually think you can personally coexist because remember paul coexisted with the relatives of people he murdered and there was no problem then right okay but sometimes in certain in cases like that it may be necessary for people to find another space right to 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 worship god notice i'm not saying that people must move because they don't like the music right they don't like the length of the service they don't like um how there are no eats after church <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why we wear suits and not jeans mm-hmm. you know why do we call the pastor by a title and not by his first name right that kind of a thing i would say the reasons have to be really real why because church is a family mm-hmm. and by nature nobody resigns from a family nobody dissociates from a family and nobody uh, excommunicates a family ne- generally mm-hmm. so moving a church when you're in in, in in one place must be a very um must be a very deliberate reason so these are some of the reasons right mm-hmm. let me go to the other more structural issues doctrine right what is being taught right in a particular place this is very very important because doctrine shapes behavior and so if we're being taught wrong we're going to live wrong and we're going to smart with those consequences because ignorance is no defense at law if right. i step on a snake <laughs> ignorantly the snake is not going to leave me alone because i didn't know what i was doing so my people perish because of ignorance so once whatever it is that's being taught is uh, misaligning with the counsel of god it becomes um a reason to jump ship right i would then add um if there are serious uh, leadership infractions and again i'm using my words very carefully here mm-hmm. supposing there is really a serious leadership issue for which you know it becomes um impossible to remain in a place mm-hmm. it may be grounds for somebody to jump ship and to find a different alternative right let me add another a lighter one <laughs> which is which is a good reason for people to move supposing you're getting married there are no okay. checks there are no checks in the church right? <laughs> well, that's, no that's, that's more lighter <laughs> so once you find out the reasons to move right why should people move mm-hmm. or rather how do they choose this is obviously um uh, probably the next part of our of our conversation to say okay so when you're actually looking for a church uh what is it or what are some of the few pointers that you must look for and i must admit beforehand i'm very um obviously conflicted in terms of what i would suggest it's obviously based on my theological and doctrinal standing in so far as that but i think it's good Hmm. <laughs> I think it's you're good, good too. You good. You good. You good. No, I you know what? Uh. Um I think you you've actually hit the nail on the head on a lot of things because one of the things that I I've also found myself just st- not struggling with but I just kind of makes me wonder. You know when people will say things like ah I'm I'm leaving I'm leaving that church because 
it's it's boring or you know stuff like and i get it like a church could genuinely be boring by whatever measure you're using right but have you have you looked at the things that that actually matter and i think the, the the opposite of that would be that you know somebody who moves to a church because it's got lots of lights and glam and all those things right it's exci- it's an exciting church and then you you have to take a step back and ask yourself but is that church teaching good doctrine sound theology um or is it just a lot of motivational type stuff and i, I know it's a big conversation in a lot of in a lot of um church circles right now even in some, with some of my friends you know where uh, there's a lot of conversation about that where guys some guys are starting to move away from a certain type of church and gravitating towards more just more chilled conservative type churches that would never have gone to when we were younger because they were looking for that so i find that to be a very interesting thing and the reason for that is that you know it's people who are just saying i'm, I'm looking for, for i want to grow in my knowledge of god i want to grow in my knowledge of scripture and i want to to be standing on the right foundation so i find it interesting uh, Sorry, just before you continue yes there's a term that i've heard before which is like seeker friendly oh churches is that a thing yeah yeah it's a very uh depending where you are obviously it's, it's quite a controversial it's quite a controversial um kind of term because the seeker friendly churches um were considered to be churches not necessarily interested in the core aspects of the church in terms of um running themselves mm. but rather to be very attractive yeah and open to let me use this word the market Okay. So they then were setting themselves up to do things that would um, appeal yeah. certain people, regardless of whether those things were necessarily um, doctrinally sound. That's my understanding. Mm. I have to be careful of <laughs> how I put that out. So say, say for instance, supposing the, the feeling was that in a particular area, people like a church that's 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. They would then... I'm just giving rough examples yeah, here, yeah. all right? To act a certain way, behave a certain way, uh, hold certain things. Of course, whilst still saying we read the Bible, we pray to God and so forth. Mm. But um, they, it seems there were certain uh, chinks in that in that arm and that the general feeling, which I somewhat lean towards, is that um, the essential elements of what we stand for in terms of doctrine yeah. were sometimes being lost okay. in those types of expressions. Yeah just for the extreme sake of just uh, getting, getting people, people the uh-huh, to come. Because um, when you're inviting people to Jesus, you're not trying to make Jesus friend. In a sense, Jesus accommodate to what people are. Mm. Rather, yeah. you're trying to bring people down from where they are to the full stature and measure of who Jesus is, mm. regardless of whether that is popular or not. I'm always mm. warning preachers that if you're going to be a true preacher of the gospel, by the way, um, you're going to be controversial or rather you're going to cause offense right but just don't cause unnecessary offense <laughs> okay there's a necessary offense i support team a in soccer and you support team b yeah. i don't like your pastor that's unnecessary but when it comes to standing up for certain core messages within the bible that's yeah. good you are you are on the path of causing offense if you treat if you teach the bible as it as mm-hmm. it truly is mm-hmm. so there's a feeling obviously that sometimes in certain sick of a friendly environments that was obviously lacking mm-hmm. so perhaps if we to talk about sin 
if we to talk about certain truths mm. jesus is the way perhaps mm. or if we to talk about certain other um, doctrinal factors you know perhaps there was a bit of laxity with regards to that just yeah. for the mere sake of what of just getting people to come yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty dangerous. I want to just ask a question, PC. You mm. spoke about the scenario of somebody who's wanting to move from a particular church to another one. And you gave those reasons. What about somebody who's looking for, somebody who's a new believer, they're, they're, they're looking to go to church for the very first time, they want to find a new church. Mm. What, what would you say are the, the key things they must look for? The first and most fundamental is what do they teach? Or rather, what do they believe? That's probably the most um, the most telling of um, of factors. So, what does the church stand for? You tend to notice that many churches, um, even those with websites, normally have some somewhere where they've got a statement of fundamental uh, beliefs, etc., or statement of faith, etc., or core doctrines. What what do we hold to be true? So, a person wants to know. And uh, a person must know or must be interested in what do they actually stand for. If there was nothing else, that probably would be the, would be, would be the first. But be that as, as it may, if you come to me now, the second uh, place of, um, of concern must be the presence of the Holy Spirit practically. Mm-hmm. The presence of the Holy Spirit practically. A church without the Holy Spirit is like an opposition politician. You know, they're all bark, but no bite. A church uh, wow. without the Holy Spirit and practical, and I mean practical, manifestations um, of the Holy Spirit is like a phone without credit. You can dial whatever number correctly, but nothing is going to happen in terms of conversation. Mm. So, so Jesus was mighty in word, but he was also mighty in deed. That's what the Bible talks when he's spoken about. He's mighty in word, he's mighty indeed. When he's giving instructions to the apostles who are going to be the foundation of his church in Luke, in Acts chapter 1, there's the emphasis of the person of the Holy Spirit. So again, if you're looking for a church, uh, ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit there practically? Not... Uh, not um, you know, not just uh, theoretically, we believe in the Holy Spirit, etc., etc., but is the Holy Spirit in a particular church. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is still at work. I know, obviously, this can be a point of debate. This can be a point of contention. But I do believe that if you're going to be looking for a church, you want a church where the Holy Spirit is actually at work. So a person must be looking for the Holy Spirit. Now, that is better than the quality for instance, of um, the things that are touch points for many people, mm-hmm. how the church looks, how the church does its music. You can sing, but without the <coughs> spirit, your singing is, um, is just a wonderful art. Okay? You can be a very poor singer. Remember Paul in the book of Acts. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come in eloquence of speech. So I normally hear some people saying, you know, I don't like this church because the pastor doesn't exactly talk very well. It's not really about eloquence if, you, if mm-hmm. it comes down to a matter. You can have doctrine at its purest, but without the power and the convicting aspect element of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can preach a right sermon with zero results. And so nothing can, 
can ever substitute the person of the Holy Spirit in the church. And Paul says, when I came to you, you know what? I came to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. You know, it shows already that, you know what? When you get into a place, is the Spirit of God an active member, an active part? And I'm, I'm, used, I'm using the word member, pardon me here. But it's the Holy Spirit, you know, the driver, actually, mm -hmm. of what's happening. And I want to say this word, practically. Because you, you may find certain places where people claim the Holy Spirit is there. But Paul calls it a form of religion which, in which the power therein is actually void or empty. Okay? That kind of a thing. Yeah. Remember um, Zechariah, the moment that uh, Joe, John the Baptist is, 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 is about to be born. There were people who had the form. They had the temple. They were doing sacrifices. But there was no ark. There was no ark. They were ministering where there was not even an ark mm -hmm. of the covenant, which represented the presence. Is this is this is like going to a church where the Holy Spirit isn't present or isn't at work? There's a, there's there's something missing there. That's number two. Number three. You want to look at the content of the character of the church that is concerned. Okay. Unfortunately, in this day where there's media, where there's PR where there's huge budgets that make us sometimes look good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't always look um, to tell the character of a place. Now, what does Jesus say? He says that a tree is known not by its website, mm -hmm. its Twitter page, its Facebook followers, and its Instagram. Because I, I can tell you, man, some of us are really skillful at those things. Mm -hmm. And I mean no condemnation to people doing those things, right? But he says a tree is known by its what? Fruit. By its fruit. Yeah. So you want to look at the church and see the fruit in terms of character that is coming from the people there. And I almost want to obviously uh, defer to at least the people at the hell. Right. All right, because uh, coming down the stratas and the structures of the church, obviously people are at different walks in their in their lives. Right, when we get into an aeroplane, we're not really interested in the quality of people in the business class, first class, or economy. What we really want to know is, do we have a pilot in his right sense of mind? Yeah. Okay, when we're getting into a, a flight, the, the most critical person is the pilot because you want to make sure you arrive to where you're going. Mm -hmm. So when, when you're looking at the content of the church where you're going to, you want to investigate who the leader is. Mm -hmm. And you can put them, um, you can measure them to the standard which Paul talks to Timothy. Are they uh, an example in terms of their marriage? Paul never even talks about their preaching necessarily, eh? How, what kind of a leader are they? How do they run their family? Mm -hmm. What is their relationship with alcohol, drugs, and the like? Yeah. You know, what is their standing spiritually? What kind of character does this person have? So you want to look and investigate those things. Now, I can honestly say that in most people looking for, for churches, um, you know, sometimes these are not so much the big factors. Mm -hmm. But how some of that information is very hard to find, though. Absolutely. 
is is bound to be which is why i said a bad person can never find a good church mm. right because at the end of the day the person who's listening to me must first look internally to find out where they are yeah. with god yeah. right because the moment you are growing in your walk and your fellowship with god you know i can just pull up another card called descending of spirits mm. right so you have no idea what kind of a church you're going to everything looks proper mm. right everything looks nice everything looks mush everything looks you know there's a spiritual factor of di- of just the ability to discern remember the still small voice to elijah right remember that those that are led by the spirit this is romans chapter 8:14 those that are what led by the spirit are the sons of god yeah. so in choosing your church or the the church you're going to where is the factor of the leading of the holy spirit mm. are you being led by the holy spirit or you're just being led by personal preference yeah. so already now it's it's, it's it's leaving those factors i've just shared mm. it's coming back to you the person yeah. because sometimes god may lead you to excuse this language a dingy place by danger, I don't mean doctrinally and character, etc. But it's it's something not glamorous. Mm. Yet in that very place, you know, God is there. He is at work in his most purest form. Mm. Again, I'm always telling people, if you brought the early church into today's world right now, what you're going to notice is probably a lot of people wouldn't attend that church. Mm. For starters, they had very long services. For starters, <laughs> right? In fact, they went to church every single day they didn't have sophisticated praise and worship actually in the early church right and i i i i believe that what they were preaching was more or less what people would almost say similar sermons in a sense right and that's just me thinking that i bet you in this world now where paul already warns us that people have itching ears wanting to hear something very exciting and so forth, you're going to find that um, they might actually not be appealing. Why am I saying this? The person has to first look internally at their work with God and whether they are growing in their faith. Mm. Because the Holy Spirit should be able to lead them in the right direction and keep them from the wrong direction. Yeah, mm. I like that. Thank you. Thank you, PC. I want to ask two quick questions uh, that, that may that, that also just um, help us. So the first question is, you have the label so you have the charismatic churches, churches mm. uh vis-a-vis the i guess the, the non the non-charismatic ones and generally what tends to happen is that we associate the spiritual expressions mm. with charismatic churches mm-hmm. and then you have the more more conservative churches so as you're speaking about the presence of the holy spirit in a in a church just for clarity's sake um are we referring to the charismatic churches yeah where they are um overt expressions of the holy spirit people speaking in tongues people you know you, you know what i'm trying to say um or are, are you talking about something different and this 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 ties into my next question which is with your more sort of traditional churches right um your anglicans your methodists all all those churches and i'm naming them by name on purpose um what what should one look for so just that example of the holy spirit what what should one be be, be looking for in terms of the, the presence of the spirit is it the th- those expressions that are obvious or is there something something more i, I hope my, my question <laughs> is making sense of course i think the bigger and i'm laughing as i'm i'm, I'm talking to you because the truth of the matter is uh, 
I'm inclined to say, of course, you should look for those that speak in tongues, that prophesy, that pray for the sick, right. that raise the dead, <laughs> you know, that, um, that believe in those what would be called charismatic expressions. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to go that route. But at the height of that, obviously, is um, character, is character, spiritual fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Probably that would be the apex of that because many are going to come before Jesus and claim that we did one, two, three, four things. But, you know, he will say, away from me, I knew you not. Mm. That kind of a thing. So the, the primary thing is not so much the, the charisma that's in the spirit, mm-hmm. but the character, the content of the character. Having said that, I believe personally, it's quite linked to this other charismatic side of it. Now, let me be very careful there. The question I normally ask when I'm in, 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 in debates that are of a theological nature, of which I have very few these days, um, is does believing in this limit somebody from failing to get to heaven? For instance, does not believing in tongues or failing to speak in tongues keep and prohibit somebody from getting to be with Christ in eternity if you want? I find from my reading of scripture, that is not the case, right? But I would then quickly add that it limits your effectiveness for Christ, even on this particular earth. So, so that is then to say that I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't feel safe to say that the Holy Spirit is exclusively in what I call um, the charismatic bunch. I don't also want to mention certain other other spiritual or certain other churches as you would have mentioned mm-hmm. for various other personal reasons in terms of um, certain aversions we may have to certain particular beliefs mm-hmm. and doctrines in those places but if we to talk about the holy spirit the ultimate test number one is obviously character you know are people becoming more and more like christ because i think we can all uh, we can all admit that um in some of our very uh, charismatic branches and so forth is a fair number of controversies as mm-hmm. well that are very inconsistent mm-hmm. with who Jesus is right. or who the Holy Spirit is. Yes. So, so you can't just be looking for speaking in tongues, raising the dead and the like, right? That can't be the one and all measure. Rather, it's the content of the character. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's God in these other ones, I would leave a person up to their discernment in terms of how they feel the Holy Spirit leading them. By the way, everybody claims that the Holy Spirit is at work in their various various expressions. What what I've actually found interesting is when I, I I grew up Anglican and Mm. then when I, when I went to high school, uh, yeah, I went through a whole process. Then I started going to a more um, charismatic church. And that, that's where I still am now. Uh, amazing transformation for me. It's, it, it was an amazing journey. It's been an amazing journey. Um, but I remember when I left, I was like, ah, I'm leaving this particular church because ah, they just, you know, they, they, ah, they, 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 they're not on fire for God. However, what I've found to be a very um, interesting thing is my, my mom. My mom still goes to, to the Anglican church and my mom is a, she, she's a prayer warrior. She's so devoted. And just watching the way her life has been has been um, transformed, and the way she's become so committed to to God, her prayer life, you know, and she she's still part of of that particular church, and uh, so it it really got me to, to to realize that God 
God is moving everywhere, you know, and that God God has a way of of touching people and doing what He does with His people uh, in 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 whatever place. Yeah. Which leads to my next question. Okay, I'm asking a lot of questions. Sorry, T Mac. It's okay. <laughs> which which is that um, as as a pastor, um, do do you do you find that there's so where, where where there's a lot of these cases of uh, people either misinterpreting scripture or um, even cases of abuse or uh, just just people being shady in in certain um, church church settings, would would you say that's that's due to um, a, a, like too much autonomy, a lack of accountability? And and that sort of thing, which leads to my next question: um, that when when somebody's looking for a church, is it important to also look at the accountability structure where possible that that leader has? Um, who who are they accountable to? Uh, if there's an issue, maybe with the, is there a route of appeal to say maybe uh, Pastor Craig is is teaching shady Adams, but I don't want to leave the church. Is there um, somebody that pastor that that is higher than Pastor Craig that somebody can go to to say, hey, listen, this is my this is my issue. Uh, I'm just saying that would be quite an important thing to look at as well, right? So um, I want to answer it uh, from a completely different tangent and then come sure. straight to where you yeah. are. Let me also say this: God is is not is non-denominational. Mm-hmm. He's not a Catholic. He's not a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. He's not an Anglican. He's not a Methodist. He is God. It's us who have the confusion down here. That's good. Let me not use the word confusion. It's us who have the different understanding of the same picture. I love what a certain preacher said. He said, "One, the day we all appear before God, suddenly when he pieces all the, all the, all the various perspectives, you know, suddenly we we'll realize that we're all saying the same thing, just seeing it from varying angles. Why this is important is because I want to say that God is building his church. And I just want to approach it here at a bit of a higher level to say, for a person to be in a particular space, there's a very invisible divine factor that is linked to the human leadership, which is in a place. So it's not just uh, the pull factor of a particular church, but it's what I would maybe term the stewardship element, which is in the people that are leading, which causes God to entrust that person, not just into a random place, but for the overall fulfillment of a specific and particular purpose. Sometimes perhaps we may not we may not um take that into account because sometimes I believe even certain church splits were were divinely meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And I know this is controversial. Right. So I think we should just have that in mind as I'm coming to deal and tackle with your issue now. Accountability and if any pastor is hearing me the lack of accountability is the beginning of destruction in any place. All right, perhaps before we even talk about people looking for a church, anyone who's leading a church who's, li- who's listening to this um, particular um, particular podcast must always consider how accountable they are. It's a pillar of the faith. All right, um, we are never to be standalone necessarily. So when I go back to that point I'd raised that when a person is looking for a church, let them investigate the leadership. Of course, you you would be safe in a place, you know, where there 
is some sort and some measure of accountability. Even in politics, even in our nations, Iran, one of the things uh, about uh, certain um, levers of even nations is issues of separations of powers. Eh? Mm. There can't be one center in which uh, absolute power is there because someone said absolute power absolutely what corrupts corrupts right yeah. so 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 already generally when you are if you if you are really having a serious conversation about the church where you wanting to go to you are, like i said when you're investigating the leadership it's absolutely necessary to see how accountable they are guess what when i'm telling single people about finding a mate one of the things i say people should look out for is an unpopular one mm -hmm. is just just subtly ask somebody who their pastor is you know, because uh, if, if, if they've mm. got no one they're listening to when they're single, trust me, <laughs> when you cross paths when you're married, they're going to be listening to nobody and you will not like it. Right. That's the power of accountability. And if it works in a relationship, what more in issues of church? That's so good. obviously yeah. a church must have some measure of accountability, knowing that we don't know everything. You know, we're not perfect. Some of us fail and falter. Supposing we get the way wrong, it must be there must be some sort of way to, to, to actually um, solve that. Otherwise, we might actually be finding ourselves entering into a very well manicured and um, PR-sorted cult. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That's good. Yeah. And actually, we did an episode about cults. So if you feel like maybe you might have found yourself in one, go back to our archives and look for the episode that we spoke about that. And the cults of today, and the cults of today, mm. Mm, mm, mm. you would have to be very wise yeah. to be able to tell. To tell, yeah. Because mm -hmm. until the devil comes disguised as an angel of light. Absolutely. Yeah. You're reading your Bible, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I try. Um, yes, so another question I had. I think, like you were saying, a lot of the, the, the measures we use are a bit subjective. Um but in their being subjective i can they not still affect our growth like okay so for example someone said to me they also looking for a new church and their reason was i want people who are more my age there's like a generation gap in the church so there's like a lot of much older people and then not really people in his stage of life so he was just looking for somewhere where he's got more like-minded people who are in his stage of life who can who he can walk alongside so would that be, still be considered a reason that's not valid it's understandable but i would call it shaky ground yeah because like i said um if there's one reason um like that mm -hmm. you are always going to have another reason to yeah. move try to imagine a church as a marriage Okay, why are you married, for instance, mm. right? Whatever it is that's keeping you married better be something very solid because as time is flying, so many things are happening around you. You may find um, there can be any and every reason to always shift. Mm -hmm. This is why I said a person has to look inside. So I wouldn't condemn somebody, for instance, for looking for that. However, the, the warning is just that it's got to be a lot deeper. Yeah done that and obviously to the pastors that are listening i know many pastors even though we don't necessarily want to be seeker sensitive to an extent to an extent there's there's little spots and elements 
of those of those things for instance wanting to have clean toilets mm-hmm. right or a clean building right or friendly staff etc etc and so forth by the way all of that is very biblical and spiritual yeah. uh, somebody said men god is god who sees the heart but men look you know on the outside <laughs> <laughs> so obviously sometimes pastors do the, the the best to be in some sense attractive to the to the usual person yeah. however at the end of the day it's best that the core reasons be the be the drive mm. I, ultimately it would be in a perfect world a person must say the spirit of god has directed me yes in a direction or to say you know what it's really untenable to be in a particular place yeah mm-hmm. otherwise you might see that people are always shifting and shifting and shifting out yeah yeah that's good that's good uh pc thank you so much i think just the the points that you touched on um because you know normally in a conversation like this people are talking about ah oh, you've got to go to a church that's got age mates or a church that's culturally relevant or you know we talk about all the all the things and i love how you've classified them into you've got your core things that you need to look at then you've got the things that are more that that are, that are more peripheral and we must always be thinking about the core things because those are the things that really matter at the end of the day and if the peripheral ones also happen to be there then you know cool cool kudos yeah. but i i love i love how you've put it and i really hope you guys are listening and that you you're also um taking note of the different things that are being that are being said because i think a lot of important things have been said here yeah can i just be selfish for a moment i have a friend who i was speaking to and i was telling her that we will be discussing this topic and um she wanted me to ask how can one move from a church which you were married into so you did not necessarily attend that church but having attended it you found that it's not for you and you've got valid reasons how do you move just because this is a personal one your friend has to pay oh, <laughs> my goodness <laughs> I'm just i'm just saying anyway, sorry over to when 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 spouses are concerned obviously there has to be conversation i would assume mm with the said party i'm assuming the spouse is an attender or perhaps it's perhaps in leadership in that church is actually in leadership in that church mm-hmm. wow <laughs> you have just introduced us into a marital discussion there yeah. in which case i would counsel your friend and i know this is an unpopular opinion but i would say it anyway to begin to talk to god about where they are so that they make a harmonious decision with the spouse. Mm. It's unfortunate that we've relegated prayer and the power thereof. You know, they just told me to pray about it. They just told me to pray about it. You know, I need something practical, but yeah. um when I go back into the Bible, you know, prayer is an amazing power to move and influence people. Especially those in authority with whom you don't have any sway as to what they can do. So if you've got a husband or a wife, or a parent or um an authority over you in a place where you feel this is not the place for you mm-hmm. engage the spiritual gear and let god touch the hearts of the people you're concerned with so that number one you have conversation with them right loving conversation in love right having prayed a lot about it 
getting the directing from the Holy Spirit. And sorry, I, I'm talking a bit much, but listen, do you know it's possible to pray for someone who will come with a, with a, with a determination without you actually having even set over something? Yeah. So that's why I'm emphasizing, you know, this, this prayer bit. And then obviously have loving conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, suggest a certain course of action. Show us the reasons, uh, biblically based, and then to justify why you'd obviously need to make such a move. Mm-hmm. And then come up with the consensus there. I would then believe that a consensus is somewhat God's leading in such a case. What if it's really a bad place and this person is saying, no, again I say, go back on your knees and um, and begin to pray. Can I just walk out by myself and leave them like that? That sounds very clever, but you may actually be um, you know, starting other problems in trying to do what is actually a very decent thing. Yeah, mm. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Well, I know the person is listening, so I hope she's been helped by that. All my money. Huh? All my money. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you should pay, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, PZ. My last question would be, um, there's this saying that goes, how you leave is how you enter. So... Is it always necessary to be released from the place that you're leaving hmm, before you go to the next place? I would say where possible, yes. Yeah. Where possible, yes. Right? By the way, some people have been forcibly released. Eh? <laughs> uh, it's real, it's real, yeah? yeah. Some people have been blacklisted, excommunicated, mm. not for uh, big infractions or whatever. So, so where possible, that is the highest mark of wisdom. You shouldn't sneak out. <laughs> Uh, it's not usually good to sneak out. Yeah. It's actually a mark of dishonor, mm. right? Generally, <laughs> and I'm saying generally, a good pastor releases people. Yeah. Because remember, John chapter 3 says the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The moment a pastor feels like they own people, mm. they're on the way to destruction. Mm, that's a good one. Sometimes when people are moving, it's not even the reasons that they're saying. Yeah. It's yeah. really God who's initiating yeah. something, things we may understand in eternity. Mm-hmm. So now when you are, um, and I speak this with the highest respects to my fellow pastors, when you're narrow-minded, sometimes you may want to oppose something which God is doing. Mm-hmm. All right? But uh, allow people to be people. Yeah. We, we, we pastors are not meant to be uh, demons that possess people. Right, if what a person is doing is wrong, I can assure you down the line it will show itself to be wrong. Mm -hmm. But if God is in whatever it is they're doing, even if you attempt to block them, one thing by the way, people are wise, they'll still just leave. Okay, Mm -hmm. even if you promise to curse them and their dogs, their cats, and their cockroaches, right? People who just go, yeah, right? That's people by nature, allow them to be people, Mm -hmm. right? But if you are the one who's leaving, announce your departure. All right. Mm-hmm. Do not then use the, the departure as a form to slander the church and tell them how bad they are, even if perhaps there's something bad. My advice would be tell them you feel by God that it's time to move. Yeah. What are you doing? You're living right. Okay. It's no use to say, ah, I don't like you guys. Oh, mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. Perhaps they might even be real. See, that's unnecessary. It's just to, say, to, to announce it. Uh, live well, speak well, and then don't go where you're going and then 
become a, a salesperson to tell people why that place was wrong. Yeah. I was talking about a church conflict just this week, um, and I was saying, remember the people you're fighting with, you're going to be together in heaven anyway. <laughs> okay, it's not like God has blacklisted them just because you're leaving where you're living. Yeah. Okay, even if he might need to sort them or improve them, God still loves those same people where you're living. So in terms of ma- maintaining unity, the unity of the faith, mm. you know, live properly. Mm. Don't live slanderously. And don't go tell the people where you're going how bad where you're coming from was. Mm. Yeah. And I'm also and I'm also guessing that if there if there are issues, then um, by the time you leave, you would have also tried to to speak to some level of leadership to just you know to try and voice some of those concerns before before then then choosing to leave it. Thank you, thank you, PC. Thank you, thank you, I'm thank done. you, PC. As usual, you really helped us to understand this topic a lot more and yeah i think what i got from it is mainly you have to look inside first before you start looking at where present relationship is nice or where they wear the clothes that you want to wear those things are really not that important it's about where our heart is at and our motives cool thank you cookie monster and we shall catch up with all of you guys next episode peace. yeah peace Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.